trustworthiness of God. I love one of my favorite verses in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, Trust in the Lord and with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. you got to know that He's trustworthy, that He's faithful. In fact, Paul told Timothy this, and I'll, and I'll hang on to this because how many of you know a lot of times even though He's faithful, we're not as faithful as He is. But look what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.13. He said, If we are faithless... He remains faithful. He cannot deny or contradict Himself. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny or contradict Himself. That basically means that the nature of God, He can't contradict who He is. Who he, let me tell you who He is. He is faithful and true. Could I get a better amen? And you can't, he said, I can't, he's not going to contradict his identity, his nature, and his nature is that of faithful. Somebody say amen. And so in 2018, we've got to focus on the faithfulness of God. You know, people will let us down. Have you ever had somebody let you down? Well, that's just life. We live in a fallen world. Uh, but you know what? God will never let us down. Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now smile. I want everybody to smile and look around and say, God is faithful. He is. Amen. And so that's the first side of this coin, if you will, as we focus on the faithfulness, on faithfulness. We focus on the faithfulness of God, but then, hey, uh, on the other side of the coin of, the, of faithfulness is the fact that we must focus on being faithful. Are you with me? And really, uh, when you look at the Scripture, there's a lot here. But I want to talk about the faithfulness of the family of God to the gospel of God. We've got to be faithful to the good news of Jesus Christ. And you see it throughout Philippians and really all throughout Paul's writings, of course. But I want to show you something here. Let's go back to Philippians. And this would be a great memory verse for you, verse 5. I'm going to kind of give you the context. I'm going to, I'm going to read verse 3, 4, and 5. And this, this five, uh, I'm going to expand on it with the New Living Translation in a moment. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, talking to the Philippians, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all, all, making requests for all with joy. Catch verse five. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me read it to you through the New Living Translation. You see it. Here it is. For you have been my partners in spreading the gospel or the good news about Christ. Catch this. From the time you first heard it until now. Everybody go wowzers. Read this with me. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, if we could get to this place, everything would change. Because how many of you know the gospel is why we're all still here? To share the gospel and to be... Uh, to be proclaimers of the gospel. We'll talk about that, but read Philippians 1, 5 with me, everybody together. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. Man, we need some church folk like that right there. 
We need some members like that right there. We need some faithful uh, who are like that. From the moment you heard the gospel, you were my partners in sharing the gospel from the day you heard it until today. That's where we need to be, all of us. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to the leaders of the church. He's not writing to the evangelist association. He's not writing to the missionaries. He's writing to the church folk. Everybody say, that means me. And he says, man, I want to tell you, I appreciate your partnership in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it until now. This past week, I was in San Antonio with uh, Destiny Church and their missions conference, and there were missionaries from all over Mexico, uh, Japan, India, uh, gosh, all kinds of different places. Uh, and it was wonderful to, to be with them and to cross-pollinate with them, and, and many of them are my friends. And you know what we are? We're partners in spreading the gospel. But you know what? Me and you need to be partners in spreading the gospel. He's talking to the church here. And so we've got to embrace this. God, Everybody say, God is faithful. And the reason He's faithful to us is because He wants us to be faithful to Him and His gospel. Amen. And I'm kind of convinced today that we can say we're faithful to Him by coming to church, by paying our tithe, by, uh, you know, not smoking or chewing or going with the girls that do. But you know, the reason, or the boys that do, <laughs> I saw Amanda over here. I had to throw you in on the deal. Amen. Hallelujah. The reason we're here is to be the light of the world and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in 2018, we've got to embrace that reality. We've got to focus on why we're here in the first place. And we're here to be a light. Jesus said this in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are salt and you are what? Light. He didn't say you are supposed to be light. He didn't say if you'll work real hard, you can become light. He didn't, and it's like his nature of being faithful. He declared our nature should be that of light. It should be our nature to be the light of the world. Are you with me? Say amen. And we'll talk about that more in a moment, but we've got to embrace this in our hearts. In fact, I love uh, what he says in Philippians 2.16. If you look over there, he says this. Holding fast. Everybody say holding fast. Holding fast the word of life. That's the gospel. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain in the Lord. He was saying, hang on to the word of God. Don't let it go. Don't be undermined. Don't let the gospel of God be undermined. Hold fast. Hang on to the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, what is the gospel? I want to show this to you. You should have this down, but I'm going to show it to you. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want a great definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ that transforms the world. In fact, Paul said this about the gospel. He said, it's the power of God unto salvation. The gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation. Look in 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. Somebody say the gospel. He said, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. You see, if you don't receive it, you can't stand in it. By which also you are saved. You see, the gospel has the power to save. How many of you are born again this morning? Say amen. If you're born again this morning and you're happy and you know it, say amen, hallelujah. 
How did you get saved? Because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, because of this gospel that I preach to you, this good news that you received and that you're standing in and by which you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now catch this. He's going to define it for us, and we've got to get this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. That's part one of the gospel. Aren't you proud and happy and thankful that Jesus Christ died for your sins? In fact, we have the cross over here, and very soon we'll be... We'll be in, in memory of the, the price he paid on Calvary's cross and then celebrate the wonderful resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he paid the price for the sins of all humanity. That's what you got. What is the gospel? It's that Jesus came. Catch this. I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Are you with me? Say amen. And verse 4 and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Three parts to the gospel. Christ died for our sins on the cross. They buried him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, part number three, what did he do? He rose from the dead. That's what the, the embracing of what he did for us and the faith in the finished work of Christ is why you are here today. You believe the gospel. And Paul said in Romans 9, if you believe it and you confess it, you will be what? Saved. Amen. So that's the gospel. And we've got to be faithful. Not only, we've not only got to embrace the faithfulness of God, but as God's people, we've got to embrace the fact that we need to be faithful with the gospel of God. Amen. So with that in mind, I want to give you four thoughts. Here they are about what I see in Philippians, and I'm headed back over there. What I see in Philippians that Paul talks about that we need to embrace in our life in order to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, as I said to you already from verse 5, we need to realize that we are partners in the gospel. Everybody say partners. In fact, you know what the church does a lot of times? We think about the evangelist and we say, well, it's his job to get people born again. And so we'll partner with the evangelist, and there's nothing wrong with the evangelist. Thank God for the evangelist. We'll partner with him, uh, and he'll come in, and he'll get people born again, and that does happen. But let me tell you something. The primary purpose of the evangelist, if you'll read in Ephesians 5, it's not to evangelize, but it's to equip God's people to be evangelistic. Are you with me? Say amen. And so we've got to partner together. In fact, what did Jesus do when he sent his disciples out? What did he do? Send them out one by one? Two by two. Somebody say two by two. Even the animals realized in, in the ark, they, went, they, they were two by two. Uh, and you know what? We're better together. Tell somebody we're better together. And so, as partners, we should partner together for the gospel of Jesus Christ and realize we're in this thing together. Just like he said about this church, he said, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And if we could stop today and just go home right now and just embrace that reality that together 
we can become partners together, co-laborers together for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ and work together to see not only our families saved, but our community saved and lost people saved, our work associates saved, and partner together for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love what he says in verse 14. Look in verse 14. He's talking about his chains and about the fact that he was in prison. And catch verse 14. He says this, And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, everybody say most of the brethren. That's the majority. You know what he says about this church? Now, oh, man, I'd love to pastor this church. It would help me. Okay, maybe I can. But he's, it's what he says about, about you and about, he, this is his declaration over the Philippians and my declaration of, over you that the majority of the church are moving and operating in an, an evangelistic method and, and properly and righteously and boldly speaking the word of God or the gospel without fear. Lord, help us. Somebody say, Lord, help us. Man, wouldn't it be great in 2018 if the majority of our church would, would become this, have this kind of mindset and begin to partner together and realize, you know, we're better together, but we're going to do this together. We're going to put our shoulder to the plow. We're not going to look back. We're going to become evangelistic. We're going to realize people are on their way to hell, and we're going to work together to make sure people are born again. We're going to work together to make sure people, once they're born again, can become more and more like Christ. We're better together. We're partners together, not in just the nursery work, not in just, I see Gail back there. Gail's one of our helpers in church. She, she's the queen of donuts. She's the master of donut. She's the queen of caffeine. She's got it going on. She serves and helps and serves. But you know what? That's just what she does here. Here, But let me tell you who she is and who we all should be. We're partners together for the gospel's sake. The reason we work in the church and the worship and, the, and all these areas is to facilitate the advancement of the kingdom of God on planet Earth. Amen? We're partners together. We should be partners. Look in verse 27 of chapter 1. Look what he says. He says this. Uh, he, down in the latter part, he says to the church, striving together for the, face of the gospel, for the faith of the gospel, working together, warring together, striving, working hard together for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a partnership. And then he talks about Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22. He says this, uh, pardon me, in Philippians 2.22, he says this about Timothy. He says, but know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And what you'll see about Timothy, uh, Timothy served Paul, and then he served with Paul, and then he served for Paul after Paul was gone. How many of you know that's the picture of discipleship and raising people up? But look what he says. He served with me in the proclaiming and the preaching of the good news of Jesus Christ. We're partners. Everybody say we're partners. What are we partners in? The advancement of the kingdom of God and of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, and certainly all these kind of link together and kind of lap over each other and blend together, but we see that if we're going to be partners together of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we must be declarers of the gospel. 
It's got to come out of our mouth. That's what he said in verse 14. Most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains and are much more bold. Everybody say much more bold. Oh, I pray in 2018 you're much more bold. Look at somebody, touch somebody and say much more bold. <clears throat> hey, Jim, touch, touch, lay on my head and say much more, much more, much more bold. Much more bold. Much more bold. Come on, I'm going to, much more bold. How many of you need to be much more bold? Come on now. We've got to be much more bold. If we're going to, hey, you know, some people say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm a silent witness. Have you ever heard of that? You ever got anybody up on the stand, seen anybody up on the stand who was there to testify? And they said, well, I'm just going to be a silent witness. There's no such thing. He said this, he said, the majority of the church are much more bold to speak the word, not, not just believe the word, but speak the word. Somebody say, speak the word. We're talking about testifying about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're talking about proclaiming the gospel. What's the gospel? Anybody want to help me here? What's the gospel? Jesus died for our sins. He paid for our sins so we could be washed white as snow. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and then he was raised the third day so we could have life too. And if you believe that in your heart, confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. It's the, that's why Paul said in Romans 1.16, it's the power of God unto salvation. Everybody say much more bold. Let me give you some... Bible words he uses about how we should declare the Word of God. Number one, we should declare it confidently. Look what he says. They're much more confident. They've become confident. We declare it confidently. You know, confidence is something that is established within us over time about certain things. How many of you have tried some things that you weren't very confident in, and then the more you realize, the more you tried it, the more confidence you had? And then you begin to say, I got this. Everybody say, I got this. You know the reason people don't have confidence in sharing their faith? They haven't practiced. And the more you practice and the more you know, and let me just say, knowledge, knowledge has a way of, of spurring us towards confidence. The more you know God, the more you know about God, the more you trust God because he's trustworthy, and, and you begin to lean into him and you begin to practice, and all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm much more bold. Hey, I got this. Everybody say, I got this. Come on now. I, I, I pray before, before, this, before this year's over, and really maybe before this next month's over, that something on the inside of you would be able to say, I, I, I think I got this. I'm trying this. I'm practicing it. I've got some, a new level of confidence, and I'm going to share my faith. In fact, we've got tools. In fact, Jeremy, I want to tell you, go, before we're done today, uh, be sure as people go out, you give them some more of these little cards that got the gospel on them. And it's got a, it's an invitation to church. And you can do it. You can become just using that as a little tool. You can become, what, what can you become? Everybody say, much more bold. How many of you want to be much more bold? Not just a little more, much more bold. Much more bold. Donnie, you want to be much more bold? Amen. Everybody lay hands on your head and say, much more bold. Woo, come on now. I'm liking it. Now, don't approach them like this. All right. We declare it confidently, and then we can declare it boldly. He says they, they are much more bold to speak the word. Let me throw in a verse for you. Uh, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 
uh, verse 1 and 2. I love this because he's talking about what happened to him in Philippi. Uh, you remember what happened to him in Philippi when he first got there? He, he visited a, a, the hotel prison. Are you with me? You remember the story? You can go to Acts 15 and 16, I think, and get the story. But look what he says to the Thessalonians. He says, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated, where? At Philippi. As you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. I love that. How many of you know conflict ought to just cause us to speak up more? We speak boldly. We declare it confidently, boldly. And then we see in, back in Philippians that we can declare it fearlessly. He said in verse 14, they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. Somebody say without fear. How many of you know fear is just the absence of faith? And that means you haven't embraced the faithfulness and the trustworthiness of God yet. So if we embrace the trustworthiness of God and realize you can trust Him, and then you can lean into Him and become much more bold. Everybody say, much more bold. You don't have to fear uh, what's going on because of the conflicts that you may actually incur or the trouble you might incur by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Become much more bold and fearlessly share Look what he says in verse 28 of chapter 1. He's, his, his, his desire for them is to not in any way be terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that is from God. And, not, and He said, I don't want you to be in any way terrified by your adversaries. Fear not. Everybody say fear not. So we declare it confidently, boldly, fearlessly. And then in verse 16 of chapter 1, we declare it sincerely. And honestly, with a sincerity of heart. Pastor Ron told me a story. He was in England. He had his family in England. And there was this sidewalk preacher that he, he said, I almost got in the flesh and whipped him. I almost hit this guy. He had this bullhorn speaker. And as Pastor Ron walked by, he crammed it in the side of his ear, basically, that about as far away as, you know, you can touch him. And he screamed into there, into the bullhorn, not just spoke into it, but he screamed into it, you're going to hell. Pastor Ron said, I resisted, but I wanted to say, no, I'm not. You are right now. How many of you know that guy didn't understand sincerity? He didn't care about people. He was just had a religious mindset. And, and when you read Philippians, you'll find that there are some people who were that way. Verse 15, it says, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains. So we communicate the gospel confidently, boldly, fearlessly, sincerely. Did you know the world, when you share with them, your friends and family, and you have a sincerity of heart, it unlocks the door of their heart many times. If they know you're just being religious, they'll resist you. But if you have a sincerity, and then like this next one, we communicate lovingly. Because he said the latter, verse 17, the latter communicate out of love knowing that I was appointed for the defense of the gospel. So we've got to be declarers of the gospel. We've got to be sharers of the gospel. 
We got, it's got to come out of our mouth. I love what Psalm 89, 1 says. I used to sing this. I'll just read it for you. He said, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known your faithfulness to all generations. He said, it's going to come out of my mouth. I sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth. Everybody say, with my mouth. Hey, put your hand on your hand and say, much more bold. With my mouth, I'm going to make known your faithfulness. To all genera- generations. Man. See, we've got to embrace the faithfulness of God, and we've got to embrace being faithful to the gospel of God. How do we do it? By becoming partners together, by being declarers of the gospel together. And number three, being defenders of the gospel. Everybody say defenders. Let me explain to you. Verse 7, look, at, look what he says in verse 7. He says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, <clears throat> inasmuch as both now in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. He talks about being a defender. Look in verse 17 of that same chapter. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Everybody say the defense. Now, that word is a Greek word. It's apologia. Everyone say apologia. It's not about being apologetic, like I'm so sorry. Uh, It's a different flavor. It's a different understanding. In fact, if you go to Bible school for any time at all, you'll go through a class called apologetics. And apologetics and being being a defender of the faith, uh, apologetics is basically a reasoned argument or writing, not in the sense of how we're arguing with people, but being equipped and able to give a reasoned argument or writing uh, in, in justification of something. The Scripture talks about us being able to give an answer or a reason for the hope that is within us, yet with meekness and fear. We ought, we've got to be able to say why. We've got to be able to answer the why. We've got to be able to declare the gospel. We've got to be able to have a bold defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I love even uh, on the most simple uh, uh, stage uh, in the New Testament, I can't, uh, he, the, the eyes were were opened of the blind man, and the religious people began to hammer him. And even on his basis place uh, of, of un, lack of understanding, he came up with some apologetics. He said, "I don't know what you're. I, I can't get in. I can't talk to you about this on your level, but I will come to you on my level. Here's my here's my understanding. Once I was blind, but today I see." Now, a good apologist, if that's correct, is someone who not only says that, but then backs it up with what the Bible says, who understands and finds their firm foundation on what does the Bible say. Amen? And oh, there's a world of folks out there who are trying to undermine what the Bible says. We've got to believe it and receive it and understand it. That's why Paul told Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman, that's 2 Timothy 2.20, I think. A workman that needs not be ashamed. No, 2.15. Rightly dividing and handling the word of truth. Amen. And then, if I got time, let me go, let me show you this. The last words, Paul's last words to Timothy in the first letter. O Timothy. Chapter 6, verse 20, 
Guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. By professing it, some have strayed concerning the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. What's he saying? You better guard this thing because there's a world out there. You better know that you better get a grip on it. You better guard it. You better hang on to it because there's a world of misinformation, a lot of fake good news, if you will, that will undermine the gospel. We've got to be defenders of the gospel. In fact, Paul said in verse 17, I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. And then lastly, and oh, this is equally important. They're all important. This is equally important. Lastly, we've got to become examples of the gospel. Look what he says in, in chapter 1, verse 27. Look what Paul says. He says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's talking about the way we live our life. He said, you gotta, you've not only got to be a partner with the gospel and a declarer of the gospel and a defender of the gospel, you sure better be the kind of person who lives it out on a daily basis and your conduct reflects what you're saying with your mouth. Amen? Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then look over in chapter 2. Look what he says again. He hits it again from a different angle in verse 15. He says, and I'm going to read this. Uh, yeah, I'll read it. Uh, ooh, if I had time, I'd go to the New Living Translation. He says this, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I love that. He said, oh, here's par- partial of, of New Living Translation. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and ver- perverse people. And then look, then he says, holding fast the word of life. In verse 16. So we've got to be examples. We've got to live it out. Live clean and innocent lives. You know, there's a thing in, in, our, in, in the world that we... It's called clean eating. Have any clean eaters here? Not me. I try. Clean, clean eating. I don't know exactly what all that is, but eating right and healthy and good and wholesome things. You know what? That's what we've got to be for the world around us. We've got, to, we've got to be a role model, an example of the gospel, and be an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why? I want to close with this. First Thessalonians. Turn over there. It's just to the right, just a little bit. It's all, you're almost there. 1 Thessalonians 2.4, and I'm going to close. He said this, but, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we, what? Speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests the hearts. Now, catch this today. He says this. We lived a life that has been approved unto God. We did it by his mercy and grace, of course. And he has entrusted us with the gospel. What did Jesus say before he left planet Earth? Before he was ascended to the right side of the Father? 
He entrusted us. He gave to us and entrust. He said, I'm going to trust you with this. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He gave us the great commission. He entrusted us with the gospel, the good news. And that's where we've got, that's what we've got to realize. We, he entrusted us with this gospel. We, hey, God is faithful, but he need, we need to be f- faithful with what he entrusted to us. Not just believe it and receive it. If we just had to believe it and receive it, there'd be two preachers. One to get us born again, and the other just the other one just send us on to glory. Aren't you glad that's not the case? And so this morning, we've got to embrace not only the faithfulness of God, we've got to embrace the fact that God has entrusted us with the gospel of God. And as Paul said to the Thessalonians, therefore. We speak. We're partners together. We're declarers together. We're defenders together. We're examples together of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to close with something this morning. I'm on a text thread uh, with uh, some pastors on Sunday morning. And Pastor Sonny, if I can find his, let me find him. Here we go. Pastor Sonny, who's the, the president of uh, Church on the Rock Network of Ministers, you've, you've uh, met him. He, read, he, he wrote this to us this morning. It's about the gospel. He said, and he quotes a line in an old song we used to sing, Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. He said, our message today is Jesus in what He has done, in what He is doing, and what He will do. We live in a world that is confused about the Jesus you will preach today. There are those who believe in a married Jesus with children. There are those who believe in a homosexual Jesus. Some people just believe Jesus is a good man kind of Jesus, or just the prophet Jesus, a Jesus that fits their lifestyle or belief. But it's not the Bible Jesus, not the Son of God that lived a sinless life, here's the gospel, died a cruel death on the cross, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and then rose from the dead, and will soon come again. That's my Jesus, the Savior, the Healer, the Deliverer. At times, we need to define the Jesus we preach so he is not confused with the weak, anemic, secular Jesus that some proclaim today. Believe it or not, many in our town or in our own nation have not heard of this powerful one. That, that one, pardon me, one that, will, that we all will give account to one day. Let's preach him. Define him if necessary so there is no misunderstanding of who we put our trust in. Let us declare the name above every name together. May many hear and believe in him today. And everybody said amen.
You know what Jesus did in his ministry? He didn't primarily do a come and see ministry. There's different ways. We do this. I do this all the time. I try to do things to get people to come and see. And there's nothing wrong with come and see if people come and see. But a lot of times people don't come and see until we go and tell. That's why the Great Commission has go into all the world. And so today, Jesus, in fact, the Bible says Jesus said this, I've got to go to the next town. I'm a go and tell kind of preacher. We've got to become go and tell kind of people. Amen. And embrace not only the faithfulness of God, but embrace being faithful to the God who's faithful to us and to the gospel that he's entrusted unto us. Let's stand together. Father, thank you today for the gospel. I want everybody here just to thank God for the gospel. Thank him that you're born again. Thank him that he died for you. Thank him that he he rose again the third day. Thank him that he gave you a new life. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that today as we embrace the gospel, we also have been entrusted with the gospel, not just to to walk it out, even though we should be examples of the gospel, but to declare it, defend the gospel, and to believe the gospel, and partner together for the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you today. And Lord, let us embrace your word and your gospel and spread it as a light in the world we live in. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can just say, Pastor, I need a blessing from the Lord. I need God to touch my life, my family for some reason. I I may not know what it is. I got my hand up for Gideon this morning. If you have someone or something going on in your world that you need God to reach into the middle of your world, lift your hand wherever you are. And let's just declare it. Lord, we declare, Lord, your hand extended into people's lives. Your deliverance, your healing, your salvation. Lord, the Bible, Jesus, as Pastor Sonny said, may the Bible, Jesus, show up in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our family's needs, Lord, in the middle of our finances. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you today. This has been good. It's been a little crazy for this guy, but man, I'm glad you're here. And look over uh, uh, your bulletin and plug in and get involved. In fact, Jana's going to come. Uh, oh, she's going to show it. Here we go. She wants to see it one more time. You've got to sign up for this. Here it is. Put it up there. Balloon. Let's see if I can do it. Here we go. Uh, it's the people oh, it's the video. of God Thank you. started handling money God's ways. hard to get to the end of your life and have nothing to show for it. This is my family's legacy that I'm talking about here. I've got to have a plan and be focused. That knowledge that you pass down to your kids, that is how you change a family tree. You change your life when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you have that moment where you say, I've had it. I'm not going to live like this anymore. 